one. Those of you who are watching by CD, you've missed most of the uh, comedy this morning, and that's a good thing. This morning we're continuing in Colossians chapter 3. As the Apostle Paul continues his instructions to the church. Now remember where we are, beginning in verse 5 through 11 this morning. Last week, 1 through 4, today, three, 5 through 11. Paul is beginning to give the church practical instructions concerning the outworking or the manifesting of their position in Christ. In Christ, they are saved. In Christ, they have been forgiven. In Christ, they are God's new, recreated community, created in His image and after His likeness. Remember Genesis 1.26. So now, beginning with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and continuing in His church, God has fulfilled and is continuing to fulfill His Genesis 1.26 purpose for creating. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And as we've said before, it is imperative that we understand and see the Old Testament and the New Testament as a comprehensive, ongoing work of God, not two distinct activities, but one continuing work. So that which God has purposed and begun in Genesis as a result of the fall having been forfeited for a period of time according to the permissive will of God, not having taken him off guard, and my goodness, what are we going to do now? But always according to the eternal purpose and election of God from Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, when Adam took the bite out of the fruit which he should not have done and disobeyed God, God immediately began to move to restore his purpose. And so in the church, in us today, right here in this room, those in this room who are saved, who are the children of God, we are the living and ongoing fulfillment of that which God began with Adam and Eve. And so Paul is giving instruction to us. And the reason I emphasize this a little bit as we begin <clears throat> is that there is a tendency in every single one of us because we still live in fallen, fleshly, frail, faulty, failing bodies. We don't like instruction. You see, we just don't like it. I am not excited when my wife tells me something that I should know. There's something of the flesh that rebels against it. And so when ministers, preachers, teachers, fathers, mothers, whoever's give instruction, we have a tendency to push back. How many of us have a tendency to push back? Good. Twelve of you are honest. We have a tendency to push back. 
but it is of major importance that we know not only our position, which is the foundational information, but we must know how to practice that position. So that for which we were saved is being manifested for the purpose of God's glory because if we weren't practicing our position, then what God has done in us would not be seen by anybody except God. And He wants the whole world, all the angels, and especially the demonic forces, He wants them to see. You see, I have a people. These are my folks. God wants that. So this morning we continue with the instruction that the Apostle Paul has given. And we're going to break down the next several passages into three sections. Number one, that we'll be dealing with this week and the week after next. By the way, we will not have class next week. The men will be in the retreat and the women will be here, so we won't have class because I just didn't feel to teach and half the class is not here. So if that's all right with you, we'll skip next week and we'll continue the week after next. So just next week because of that. But the ladies will... But the ladies will gather, I'm sorry, I'm trying to say, but there are two or three opposing forces here. But the ladies will gather here <laughs> next Sunday morning at the class time to be praying for the men. Annette, what was your question? <laughs> so, man, let me tell you, that Annette lawyer, she's like gravy on rice. She's there. She is there ready to go. So I like that. That's good. So first of all, we're going to break it down into four sections. And it's important to see that... In each one of these, we're going to talk about how or what this re, re, recreational community looks like, God's new community. What does it look like? How is it supposed to function? So we're going to talk about the function of the new creational community. You may have this in your notes. In our personal ethics, you know, in our morality, in our moral life, in our relationships within the family, how we relate within the church, and how we relate to the world. So Paul's going to break it down this way. And notice this as we begin this morning. Paul begins with us personally. Paul begins with my personal walk before God, my personal obedience, my personal morality, my personal uh, sinning and overcoming sinning and dealing with sin and walking in righteousness. That is the foundation. If these verses 5 to 17 are not done correctly, then the rest of the family, church, and relationship with the world is going to break down. So let's make sure that as believers, our primary concern in manifesting and being image bearers of God in a way that He is actually and accurately imaged for who He is, that we start with me, with you, that we look at our lives, and that we're more interested and concerned primarily with my walk with Christ in righteousness than I am in inspecting other people. And so before we inspect one another, let's be like a Galatians 6-1 person. Those of you who are what? Spiritual. Y'all have the ability now 
to be fruit inspectors. You remember the verse, you know what I'm talking about. So let's start with me, with us. And as we go through this week and the next lesson, let's do it in a way to make sure we see this. These are not exhaustive lists of things or sins. These are representative. There's so much more that's going on in us. But let's see them as representative and let's keep before us not a morbid self-inspection, but a holding before us signposts that God gives us by grace. So we will be able to continually determine as we go down the road of life, are we on the right road? Are we driving correctly? Are we manifesting God in His way? Father, thank you so much for your word. Father, deal with us this morning. Father, this man who speaks needs strong, deep, continuing dealing with by your spirit. And Father, I would surmise that all of us do. All of us are in desperate need of the work of your spirit to bring about that which you have already done in and for us in Christ, but to bring it to reality. Father, would you do that by your spirit in Jesus' name? Amen. <clears throat> well, this morning we start with the first part, if you would, of ethics, verses 5 to 10. And Paul begins this way. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Well, what's earthly in me? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On the account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So let's see if we can get through this in the time allotted to me. I may go a moment over, and if you'll forgive me for that. First of all, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Paul begins by telling them that they must do something. We must do something as our cooperative faith activity in response to what God has already done. Did you get that? We must do something as our faith cooperative activity with what God has already done. This is not a doing to get. This is a doing because we have gotten. Does that make sense to you? So put off. He is telling them that they must put off, put to death rather, that which is earthly in them. Although they have been forgiven. Is this a matter of being forgiven? No. This is not a matter of forgiveness. Everyone in Christ has been forgiven. What? Colossians 1.13. Of how much? All trespasses. Amen? From the moment of conception, remember we talked about it, from the moment you were conceived, we were conceived in sin, to the moment we take our last breath on earth, all of that accumulation of sin and even the very nature and control of that sin has been forgiven. And its power over us has been irrevocably and forever broken. 
So now for the first time, we are a free people, free to say no to sin and free to say yes to righteousness. Thank you for the amen. Someone occasionally needs amen. These Why? Not because of me. I'm not asking for this. To say to God, thank you, Lord, for that. That's what our amen means. So amen, your amen, brother. Although we have been forgiven, the character of the fallen creation still resides in us. The character of sin still resides in me. Have any of you noticed that the character of sin is still alive in you? And must be put to death moment by moment. This is where the battle is. This is the front line battle for the believer. The battle over putting to death the activity, the temptation, the opportunity, the whatever of sin. This is the battle. So we must be put to death so that the character of Christ might be clearly imaged in us. Do you understand now why? So that the image of Jesus may be manifested in us. This is our motive. If you don't have this as a motive and if this doesn't motivate you, you're not saved. I mean, what can I tell you? You're not saved. They must, we must decide to kill the deeds Thoughts, words, actions, everything that characterized their old life. Why? Because that life was crucified in the death of Jesus. Galatians 2.20 tells you that. Now, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit in giving Paul this list, this list of things? Because I've actually heard believers deprecate making lists of sins. Well, no, we need to know. I need to know. Gene and I were going to Natchez, Mississippi, oh, a few years ago, and we know to go up highway, what is it, 55 or whatever that number is, and we know that when we get to Macomb, we turn left on 84. We know that. And so we're going and going and going, and we're about two miles before Jackson, and I think I said, I think we missed the turn. <laughs> hmm. Remember that? <laughs> so we turned around and went back. Oh, there's... We've done this before. This wasn't the first time we went to Natchez, Mississippi. We missed the sign. We need to have these road signs regularly known and seen and observed in us so we'll know, did we miss the sign and we're on the wrong road? This is God's grace, these, these, these sins. These list of sins. Hear it. Now listen to it. These, this is God's grace gift to the church to let us know the condition of our walk in order to determine if it is a worthy walk of the Lord. Remember in 110 of, that you walk worthy uh, in a manner worthy of the Lord. <clears throat> if our walk images the walk of Christ, Remember what 1 John 2, 6, we need to be walking as he walked. And so when you see these lists, thank you, Jesus, that you have given me enough information so the moment my car goes down the wrong road, all of a sudden, bam, 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 the signs go off, the sirens go off, the whatever's go off, you're on the wrong road, stop, turn around and go back on the right road. 
because if it weren't this way, I believe all of us would have wound up in the wrong place. I don't think there was a single one of us who would have made it this far. Put to death, it says put to death, shows that the radical attitude we are to have about our former life apart from Christ. Such an attitude exemplifies the presence of God's righteous grace in us is at work. You know, we get upset about a lot of stuff. I just have a feeling I'm not going to make it through this class today, this, this lesson. So we may wind up doing this next time also. We get upset about so many things. Man, we get upset when somebody does something, says something. We get upset if the wrong person gets into office. We're upset with Obama. We're upset with uh, uh, who's a Republican I can name. Uh, uh, what's the name? What's his name? Boehner, we're upset with this, we're upset with Jendel, we're upset with uh, Mitch Landrew, we're upset with everybody. I mean, we are a passionate people. We get upset about a lot of stuff, don't we? And yet, you know what I've noticed? The single most important issue in our life to be upset and passionately angry and hating, we don't. It's our sin. Now think. How many of us have actually been more irritated by all other issues than we were when you last sinned? It is a major, major weakness in us. What to do about it? Ask the Holy Spirit to engender in you God's attitude about sin. What is God's attitude about sin? While we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. Somebody wrote that somewhere. I remember seeing that. While we were yet, what? Sinners. Christ died for us. Remember in Romans 5. God is upset about sin. <clears throat> If you get a prognosis that your little child, whether your little child is a little baby or a 44-year-old grown-up, whatever, doesn't matter, does it, Alan? Still your baby. And that prognosis that your child has a terminal disease, are we going to be upset? Are we going to hate that disease which is killing our child? Are we? Yes. Sin is that terminal disease. Oh yes, we're forgiven, but it can certainly wreck. And sin is the only thing that wrecks lives. May I repeat that? Sin is the only thing that wrecks lives. Nothing else will wreck your life. Oh, you'll have difficulties and traumas and whatever, but nothing will wreck your life. Nothing will destroy except for sin. And so Paul is, is adamant. He's radical. He's extreme. Oh, Pastor Peter, you're so extreme. You don't even know what extreme is if you think this old thing is extreme. And trust me, right now, I am holding back on yelling and screaming these. Trust me, trust me, really. No, I really, I feel like bellowing this out to the church. Be extreme against our sin. Why am I so extreme, Errol? Why? 
because I have seen the hideous, hellish, hateful destruction of sin in my personal walk and in the church. Keep going. Okay. No, no. I feel the Lord say, keep going. I have witnessed over and over again for years of ministry. I've been on staff coming this July 25 years here. And I have met with people over and over and families over and over again. And I have seen enormous miracles, right? Enormous miracles. But I have seen sin's nasty destruction where families are destroyed, Christian families, for one reason. One reason. One. Because either both or one of the husband and wife or the individual or the friends or whatever, whatever it is, refuses to repent and obey God, refuses to put off the sin and embrace righteousness. That is the only issue. You say, that's so simplistic. If it weren't this simple, Frank, I would have lost long time ago. It's got to be simple. This is a simple man here. Simple. Are we getting this this morning? Don't be complicated in your considerations and in your trying to figure out what's going on. What in the hell is going on around this place? I can tell you what's going on. Hell is going on. You see, Kelly, I didn't say that just to be funny, did I? What in the hell is going on? Hell is going on. It's sin. And the whole problem is we refuse to put off so that we can put on. Can you say amen? I don't care what your issue is this morning with anyone or even in yourself. And I'm in the midst of this with you. Our problem is this. And our solution is what Paul says here. You see, we get to chapter 3 of Colossians and we're moving through fast. We're moving through fast. We got to slow down. We took a long time with all the theology. The theology is of no effect personally in me if I don't start doing what the theology is there for. Amen? You see, this is radical. Put to death. Kill! Paul is not giving us a set of religious regulations. He is giving us this as a road sign so we can determine whether our walk is fully pleasing to the Lord. Our obedience in putting off is evidence of that, that the work of God, I'm sorry, of that, sorry, of the work of our God having given us faith. It's the evidence of the activity of faith in me. Faith puts off sin. Faith puts off on obedience, that this work is maturing in us as God's image bearers who are allowing the light of God to shine through the windows of our souls as they are being cleaned by the Holy Spirit as we are putting off the deeds of the flesh. Remember, we are the light of the world. And Jesus said, be a light, Matthew 5, 16. 
And as we are the light of the world, what happens is sin begins to clutter the lens, the glass through which this light shines. And Paul says, put it off, put it off. What does that mean? Get out there in the Holy Spirit's power and take the Word of God and begin to scrub away all this sin and these deeds and these thoughts and desires and put them to death. Do not allow them. Refuse them. Stand against them. And as you do, all of a sudden you see the Holy Spirit begin to melt this stuff away and the light of God begins to beam through us. What? Sexual immorality. Any sexual activity outside of sin. I'm sorry, outside of marriage or even in marriage. Impurity, moral pollution on cleanness. Contamination with that which is of the character of the world is polluted. That's a huge one. We are being polluted by the things of the world every day much more than we ever imagined. It's a frightening thing when I realize how much I am being polluted by the things of the world, not even realizing it. That's why I have to stay so much in the Word and in prayer and in walking with God and calling upon Him to say, where's the pollution? Am I being, I know I am, to what extent, where, in what area? I don't want to be polluted. If I told any, all of you this morning, I have a highly contagious uh, case <clears throat> of the flu, how many of you want to be around me? Really? How many of you would kind of step back or hold your breath when I'm in your... Thank you, brother. Can you get away from me? And yet, we know that of the world, and we're running pell-mell to embrace it. You know why? Because we don't see it, and it's fun. And we're getting spiritual flu all over the place. Passion, strong desire to satisfy earthly appetites, evil desire, desiring that which is wicked, covetedness, which is idolatry, the longing to be satisfied with that which is not from God and takes the place of God. Remember Paul said, hey, I thought I was doing well. I was doing well in everything. I was keeping the commandments as best I could, and then all of a sudden, what? I got to the last one. Remember what the last commandment is? What is it? And thou shalt not, what? covet. In other words, Paul said, I was doing great. And then I read that last commandment. Well, what you mean? It says you're not even supposed to want to sin. Oh, mm, oh, I, mm, could you take the thorn out of my behind? I was doing great until that thing kicked me and I realized, oh, I'm not doing that great. We're not even supposed to want to sin, let alone sin. So you see how this, how deep it is? Do you, a beginning, see how deep this thing is? Anybody in here, you're living a life 100% not wanting to sin? It's deep. But as we are walking with God and putting off and putting on, that desire not wanting to sin, but the desire for righteousness is what? Growing growing, growing. Today, I have a greater desire not to sin than I had yesterday, hopefully, and the day before. Are you with me on this? You see, this list is given as a means of grace to aid us in evaluating our behavior as sons of God. It's not given to us to condemn us. It is given to us to do three things. I don't know where they put this in the notes. Reveal, 
deal, and heal. The Holy Spirit gave me that one night. Therese, isn't that good? Reveal, deal, and heal. God reveals sin. Of course, the problem is sometimes he reveals sin through my wife, and, and he needs to stop that, I think. That's not the best way for me. Reveal. Then what's the next step? Deal with it. What does that mean? Repent. Amen? Deal with it. And when you deal with it, God brings healing. Just three simple words. Reveal, Holy Spirit's work. Deal, my work with the Holy Spirit in cooperation, confession, and repentance. And heal, the work of the Holy Spirit ministering to me in an overcoming way. So that the sin, which has already been forgiven, is no longer an active activity, or at least is being reduced in its activity. Sometimes we think if we repent and then the activity comes again, well, you didn't repent. Had you been repentant, you wouldn't have committed. Repentance is a process that begins with a decision, but it is a process of continually putting to death by refusing that sin so that sin's activity is slowly diminishing in its ability to tempt me. It's not an unequivocal elimination of that sin from me because I said I repented. We sometimes get these things done wrong, don't we? Verse 6, on account of these, the wrath is coming. And in these, you too once walked when you were living in them. Paul reminds them that these, this list of sins of their fallen character is under and was under the wrath of God from which they have been delivered. You say, you didn't know. I didn't know that when we walked this way, when I say when we walked this way, when we were, before we were redeemed, when we walked as people in Adam, now we walk as people in Christ, even though we're still participating in these to some extent because we're still sinning and needing to repent and so on. But when we walked in them as our character, these were our character. Now we have the character of Christ. And so His, by the, by the Holy Spirit, His character is being increased and in controlling and permeating me day by day as I deal biblically with these issues. But when you used to walk this way, you didn't know it, but you were under the wrath of God. You see, the biggest problem for the believer is this. You're going to hell. That's the biggest problem. Your biggest problem as a believer was what? Because of your separation from fellowship with God and your relationship with God and because of your sin, what's the sentence? Death is the sentence. Can someone come up here and clip this on the back of my collar for me while I'm speaking? And so Paul says, but now you must put them away. Put them away. They were destructive. They were putting you under. You were under the wrath of God. Put them away. Paul is emphatic. Having been saved by grace, they are now under the obligation. Ooh, whoa, obligation. I use that word carefully and looked at it again. I said, should I say that? And I said, you better say it because I felt the Lord give it to me. We are under obligation to put away all the evil deeds of their crucified life. You see, we are under obligation to love. Anybody read that anywhere? We're under obligation what? 
It is our obligation. This is not something that we may or may not do. We are under obligation of grace. Don't ever think grace has no obligations to it. Don't ever think grace has no, if you would, regulations to it. Well, of course it does. All, however, from God and for God. The problem is we fall into it from man and for man, and that becomes a works righteousness or an ungrace thing. But when it's from God and for God, it's grace, isn't it? Can you say? Yes. Amen. Therefore, Paul tells them to put to death. What? Anger. Put to death anger. That initial reaction to anything that would interrupt or oppose something about myself. Woo, I'm upset about that. He didn't talk to me yesterday. I was left out of the will. You know, whatever. You just read James 4.1 and following, you'll see. Paul, James says, what causes all this anger and fight among you? And he tells you. Your passions are driving you. Your passions for something of the flesh, not something of Christ. He continues, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. You see, these are the verbal results of anger, which have no place among the people of a holy and loving God. I mean, I see myself in many of these. Do any of you see yourselves in this, this list? Yes. And when I see myself here, my first reaction is to call out to God to first say, Oh, God, thank you for forgiving me. That's the first thing, Janet. Thank you for forgiving. Because I can't approach a God who has not forgiven me. And my second is what? Oh, God, begin to work a practical deliverance in this area. I don't say take anger out of my life. How many of you are praying that way? That's wrong praying. You know when he's going to take it out of your life, Joe? When you go to heaven. That's when anger is taken out of your life. So if you want anger taken out of your life, if you want sexual immorality thoughts taken out of your life, ask for it, and when you drop dead, I'm fine. You got your answer. <laughs> we don't ask that way. Oh, God, cleanse me. Purify me. Cause the overcoming power to begin to diminish this activity in my life. Don't pray Get it out of my life. That's silly. It's not going to happen. It's a waste of prayer. It's a prayer that wants something for you rather than wants something for God. You see, as God's redeemed people, these evil deeds are no longer to define us. We are to be defined by the righteous deeds of Christ. Seeing that you put off the old self with its practices. You put off the old self with its practices. You put off the old self with its practices. You have put off the old self with its practices. When in the world, Cliff, did you put off the old self with its practices? When did that happen, brother? In Christ, when you were saved. When we were saved, we put off the old self with its practices. A.J., how did that happen? When the Holy Spirit birthed you into the kingdom, remember in Ezekiel 36, you by faith said yes. Ephesians 4, I'm sorry, 2, 8, right? And by faith, when we said yes to Jesus, we were actively joining the Holy Spirit in undressing us as to sin's dominance 
and guilt in us, and we were cooperating with the Holy Spirit as He takes your coat off and as you are moving your arms in the new coat. You know, you're cooperating with the person who's helping you to dress. And as that happened, you were putting off the old. It's called what, Mike? Faith. Do we see that? That's what was happening. What is Paul's, why is Paul so insistent? Because in their salvation, they have put off the old self. It's gone. Listen. Sin's guilt, the punishment. How many of you would agree that Jesus has been fully punished for all of your sin? But here's where the difference is. Because we see and experience sin's activity in us. How many of you still see and experience sin's activity in you? Yes. Because of that, then our mind, Steve, says this. Sin still has control. Why? Because sometimes it's difficult. And sometimes we feel like we're getting whipped rather than whipping. And you see, the devil wants you to know what? He wants you to think what? You'll never win. You'll never win. It's got you. Oh, yeah, you're forgiven, but you'll never win, Eileen. Yes, we believe in, 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 and accept forgiveness, but when it comes to this issue of control and sin's dominance and sin's ability in us, that's where we get what? A little shaky. Why? Because we're looking at our experiences and putting more credence and belief in what we experience than what God has said. So here's the fact of the matter, and I'll say it clearly but quietly. Sin's power has been irrevocably and forever and finally broken and destroyed and put to death in Jesus' death, put in the tomb with Jesus, and when Jesus rose, Nick, sin's control stayed in the tomb. Therefore, Diana, that's why we can say, I don't have to sin anymore. Right? This is good news. Why? Because not only has God forgiven me, he's given me righteous of Christ. How are they to put them off? How do you do that? Well, we won't go into a lengthy exposition about this. How do you put it off? You put it off by faith in cooperation with the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's our problem most of the time. First, if your problem is that you thought sin had an ability over you and you couldn't kick it, Hopefully, sword lady, you've learned. You'll have to ask why I said that. Hopefully, you've learned. Sin no longer has control. Read the first 14, 12, 13, 14 verses of Romans 6 over and over and over and over until the Holy Spirit calls you to say, oh, sin no longer has control over me. Get it deep, right, James? Deep in your heart and your soul, brother. Way down to your toes. Then once you know that, here's what we usually do. 
we try to start fighting this thing on our own. I told you I'm not going to. We need to back up and remember this happened to us and we received it by what? Faith in the work of the Holy Spirit that was doing, he was doing in us. Remember Ezekiel 36, 25, 6, and 7. The Holy Spirit is doing this work. Jesus called it being born again in John chapter 3. Ephesians 2, 8. Remember, for by grace you have been saved through what? Through the agency of faith. The word through dia, D-I-A, through the agency of faith. So how do we do this? By faith. The same faith that saved you is the same faith in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in me. As I cooperate with Him, I will see practical destruction of sins, activity and presence and control or manipulation or whatever in me. Romans 8, 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He doesn't mean just kind of continuing to live. You're going to live as God's image bearer. You're going to manifest the work that God has given to I'm sorry, the work that God has produced in us as a new community. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Galatians 5, 16, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13, Sanctification by the Spirit. So how do we do it? We do it by the Spirit. In Christ, we have been given the Holy Spirit of God. Remember moments 5-5? But not only this, we also glory in our sufferings. Remember that? For the hope, how, how does it go? I just got it wrong. And for hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit who has been given to us, Romans 5-5. So in Christ, we've been given the Holy Spirit. And now we can successfully recognize and resist the sins of the flesh. Rome, uh, James 4, 7, what does he say? What does James 4, 7 say? You, if you don't know some of these verses, you need to know them. James 4, 7 says, therefore what? What does he say? First he says what? Submit yourself to what? God. What did we talk about a little while ago? Haven't we been doing that, right? Submitting to God, knowing these things, believing these things, recognizing these things, receiving these things, walking in these things. First, you submit yourself to God. Then you do what? You do what? I just hope that some way God's going to deliver me from sin. No, He isn't. He's already done it in Christ. So what do you do? Oh, God, help me. Stop saying that. He's already done it. He's given you everything according to life and godliness. Remember, somebody said that to somebody. Everything pertaining to life and godliness has already been granted to us by God's great power. Second Peter, remember that. So what do we do, TC? We resist. We fight. We say no. We refuse. We don't go to God and cower and Anton and all that kind of stuff and whimper and whine. We do what God has done, uh, done for us. We take up that great armor of God and we walk as His cleansed, justified, 
filled with the power of the Spirit, children, and we march out there, and when the flames of Satan's arrows, remember in Ephesians 6, 16, begin to come my way, we call unto God, oh God, here we go, and in Christ I'm going to do it, and we say, no, we resist the enemy, we take up the shield of faith with which to quench all the fiery darts of the Spirit, remember, and having taken the sword of the Spirit, and we cut to pieces these things, and we come out of it more than victors in Christ, Romans 8, 37, don't you see? He says what? Resist. And then what's going to happen? The devil will what? Whoo, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. He can't take it. So can the next time sin hits you when you, you're sinning, you miss James 4, 7. The next time I sin, what? I miss James 4, 7. Whose fault is it? Mine. I used to whimper and whine to God, oh, help me this and help me that. And the Holy Spirit began, actually, he said one night, I was, he actually said, and I, it, it sounded like shut up, although I don't know if God said that, but it's like, shut up. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, I've done everything necessary. And all of a sudden I began, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that this spiritually, spiritual bully is only two feet tall and he looked like he was 88 feet tall? Wait a minute. And surely I began, Holy Spirit gave it to me, began to be a lot more aggressive against my sin and against the enemy. The only problem in me is I'm not aggressive enough and continually enough but more than I used to be, and hopefully for you. Verse 10, <clears throat> and have, remember, put off, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of his creator. When they were saved, when we were saved, God gave us a change of spiritual clothing. Do you see the clothing uh, 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 imagery here? We'll talk about that next time. The clothes of the holy, old humanity in Adam have been exchanged. I put off. And the new clothes of the new humanity in Christ are being put on. They are now, they are, they, now they have put on the new clothes of the new humanity. They are to cooperate with the heavenly haberdasher. You know what a haberdasher is? The guy who sells you the clothes and fits you, you know? They are, we are to cooperate now that we're putting on the new clothes with our heavenly haberdasher as he is always adjusting our clothing to conform to the clothing of Christ. Don't you love that? I think God gave me that. I love it. I love it. I can brag because, Linda, I didn't do that on mine. That's the Holy Spirit, I hope. And as the Holy Spirit renews us in the knowledge of Christ. Next week, we will not have class. The women will be in here for prayer, hopefully. The men, hopefully, all of us who are able to will be at the men's retreat and we'll pick this up the week after next in verses, what, 11 to 17. Thank you.